Okay. I should be glad for a glass of water if somebody could bring me one, please. Before we, um, <clears throat> before we read from Scripture, will you open, will you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, we, we thank you and we praise you that we can come together as a community this morning to worship you and to hear from you and to hear from you through Scripture. Father, it's a blessing and it's a gift that we have Scripture, that we can read it and, op- and uh, in such freedom. And Father, so now we ask that you will open our minds and our hearts to receive your word. We pray this through Jesus Christ. Amen. So will you join me, if you wish, in your pew Bibles? Uh, Turn to page 1756. We're going to read from the book of Romans, chapter 8. We're going to read a few sections from that chapter. Once again, page 1756 in the pew Bibles. We'll begin by reading the first two verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So now we'll jump over to uh, verse 12, and we'll read to the end of to the two verse 27. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds misdeeds of the body, you will live, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are, God, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved But hope that is seen is no hope at all. 
Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Wow. Three. Thanks a lot. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in, for, or to us. Right after this service, my wife and I are going to leave immediately because we're on our way to Toronto to a hospital to be with my oldest sister. Her husband had a massive heart attack on Friday night. He is on a ventilator and uh, he's in bad shape. So I, you know, I think about this passage And I wonder, does Paul really know what he's talking about? I consider that our present sufferings are not worth compared to the glory that will be revealed in or to us or for us. I mean, goodness gracious, there is so much suffering in the world, so much, so much. And, 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 and how, in the presence of all this suffering, can you talk about glory and, and, and honor and, and the majesty of God? Well, I'm not Paul, Paul is Paul, but he does know what he's talking about. Because you see, Paul looks first of all at Jesus Christ. And did you you catch that uh, in verse 17? If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings uh, 
in order that we may also share in his glory. Paul tells us that Christ suffered, and in and through suffering, he entered into glory. And what Christ experienced, his sons and daughters will also experience. I have said it many times, I don't know if I've ever said it here, but all of us will suffer at one time or another. And if you haven't suffered already, you will. And I know some of you are saying, don't be so down and don't be so pessimistic. Don't scare the kids. Well, my brothers and sisters, we who live, you know, in what is called the Western world, we, are, we, are, we have been trained to live in a sunny world. And we have a pill for every ill, and none of us should ever have to experience darkness and suffering. But the fact of the matter is, All of us do and will, and every citizen of the city and province and nation, in spite of what our leaders often tell us, we will experience darkness and suffering because we are followers of Jesus Christ. And he suffered. He went to the cross. He was nailed to the cross so that he might pay for our sins and, and experienced hellish darkness that we will never experience. And since he experienced hellish darkness, we experience darkness as well. But through that we also experience glory. And so Paul can say, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. And if you want to hear a little more about that, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, Paul has this, uh, this wonderful... I'll, I'll get to it. In in Second Corinthians, he 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 talks about his his personal suffering, and and but he says we we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Outwardly, we are wasting away. Yeah, I know all about that. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Notice this. <clears throat> this, is, this is astonishing. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. 
So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Our light and momentary troubles <laughs> are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory. Why is that? Because that is exactly what happened to Jesus. <laughs> After the cross, he rose again he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God and he will come in glory someday to bring us with himself to his Father's throne. And then we will experience and see glory as we have never been able to imagine. And that is the wonder and the greatness of the gospel that in the midst of our suffering, suffering which is real, which is often terrible and horrible, we look forward to the coming of Christ who will bring us in the presence of the Father and we will see his glory, his majesty, his power. No eye has seen, no ear has heard the, the amazing and wonderful things that God has set in store for his children. So he continues in verse 20. Like, why, why is this going to happen? Why will our present sufferings turn into glory? Well, the creation, the world in which we live, you know, the trees, the rocks, the animals, everything in creation was subjected to frustration. The world is a wonderful place, is it not? It is incredibly beautiful. But the world was cursed by God. When Adam and Eve sinned and one day when they disobeyed God and took the forbidden fruit and ate it, God cursed the world. And that curse is still with and upon the world today. And again, you know, Western democracies and, 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 and Western thinking and evolutionary thinking has, has told us things are going to get better and better and better as time moves along. People really believe that at the turn of the former century, you know, in the early, in the early part of the 20th century, uh, 
people were so convinced that they had the world by the tail and that everything was coming up smelling roses all the time. And then came the First World War. which was not about God and King. It was brutal, brutal killing. You know, who were fighting? Luther and Germans, Anglican English, Orthodox Russians, Roman Catholic Austrians, they were finding ways to kill each other as, as fast as they could. And all and all the optimism of the world was gone. And then came the Second World War, and then came the Holocaust, and people have begun at least to think, it's terrible. It's horrible. There is a curse on the world. And now, many people live in despair and hopelessness. I talked to a number of youth pastors a couple of years ago. And they said, you know, most of the kids that we deal with, they have some three to five hundred friends on Facebook. But they said, the biggest problem that they deal with is, what do you think? Loneliness. Loneliness. Angst near hopelessness and despair. And that's not only Christian kids. A lot of kids experience that. And we see, you know, the rise in taking drugs and in overdoses. And people, they don't know what to make of life and of the world. The world <coughs> is under a curse. Excuse me. But what many don't understand that the God who cursed the world also gave the world hope because when God cursed the world, he also said to Adam and Eve, I will put enmity between you and the woman, or he said to the devil, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her seed and your seed. He will crush your head, even though you will bruise his heel. That is, God, even in cursing the world, promises redemption. And that is what we see in this, in this letter to the Romans, that redemption, God's grace and favor 
are real and God is going to renew his creation and so what we what we see here now that the creation you know is 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 standing on 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 tippy toes it is it is it is looking for something and it is waiting for something it is looking at us and it is waiting to see our redemption the creation the trees and the grass and the birds and the flowers and the rocks and the oceans the lakes and the rivers and the fish in them they are standing tippy-toe waiting for our redemption you know that's that's an astonishing thought you know we 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 think of the creation kind of as inanimate but there god's creation is longing for redemption and and it says that the whole creation the whole animate and inanimate world is groaning as in the pains of childbirth Uh, my wife gave birth to four children I was present at two of their of the births and I'm telling you if you want to respect and have honor for women attend a birth <laughs> I, I told my students in Nigeria if you have the pleasure of conception you better be there too at the time of the birth and help your wife you know through this uh, through this situation the creation is groaning as a woman groans in the pains of childbirth and men we don't have a clue we don't have a clue women do some of us may have experienced it a little bit vicariously but women understand this but now we are told that not only women who give birth but the whole creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth but you know what that means sooner or later the baby will come and the joy of new life does away makes one forget all the pains of the groaning of the labor pangs and that's what the creation is waiting for and that you and I are also waiting for we groan the creation is groaning but 
Deliverance will come. New life will come. A new baby has come into the world. And new life has come into the world through Jesus Christ. And then Paul adds, you know, not only does the creation groan and we groan, but the Holy Spirit of God also groans with us. And that is another astonishing, astonishing thing. You know, I, I used to think as a kid and even as a teenager and later on that God, you know, he's, he's, he's way up there and he's, he's someone that you need to be scared of because he can just get you anytime if you make a mistake. And God... Does he really care about this world and about people in it? But as you continue to read Scripture, and especially, you know, the Old Testament, you learn that, that, that God is not like an absentee landlord, but, but God is a, is a father who loves his world and who loves the people in the world. And God has stepped right into the world and especially in the person of his son. And God shares our pain when God calls Moses in the desert at Mount Horeb and, and says, I have seen and I have heard the cries of my people I have seen their suffering and now Moses you go down and you tell Pharaoh let my people go and so God in Jesus Christ stepped into our world of pain and suffering to such an extent that he allowed his son to be nailed to a cross and where Jesus cried out to his father my God my God why have you abandoned me God is not an absentee landlord in his son and in the person of the Holy Spirit he is with us he surrounds us he groans with us and he helps us to groan, you know, in a, in a broken, dark world. So just as God is in his world, in his world of suffering and pain, and is reaching out to bring hope and healing and peace, so we too are in God's world the world of suffering and pain and we are called to bring hope and healing and peace and love and grace 
So the Holy Spirit of God is groaning. I, I don't know, you know, what that's like. Paul says here, the Holy Spirit is, is groaning in, in, in words that, that cannot be expressed. So the Holy Spirit is not speaking English or Chinese. He is, he is groaning. And he, in that groaning, he brings our pain and our concerns and our love and our hopes before the Father who hears him and who also hears us. Paul goes on to say, we often do not know what to pray for. <laughs> it's interesting, you know, when you get sick, then life really changes. <laughs> and uh, I know people are praying for me, and, and, and some people have said, not to me personally, but I've heard, heard, heard it said of other people, well, don't you believe in miracles? You know, <laughs> of course I do. But whether God is going to do that, that's up to him, not to me. But what we need to understand that as the Holy Spirit is groaning and as we are groaning, we may know. We may know for certain, for sure, that God holds us in his powerful grip and that in the midst of our suffering God will give us his peace and so we may not know what to pray for especially you know when it comes to when will Jesus come again should that be later should it be sooner do we pray for healing? Do we pray for a good death? We don't know sometimes what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit does. And so, you know, I, 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 I don't know who you are. I know some of you by name, but not most of you. You know yourself. You know yourself to be a child of God. So in the midst of your suffering, do not forget, I consider, for I consider, that our present sufferings, what we experience in the here and now, in the darkness of this life, that's, that's small potatoes compared to, to the glory that we will receive. And my brothers and sisters, that glory is on its way. Because in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, our Lord says, I am making all things new. And notice, please notice the tense of the verb it doesn't say, I will make all things new. No, 
I am making all things new. And so therefore, in your groaning, in your anxiety, in your hopelessness, in your despair, look to Christ on the cross and hear his Father say to you, it's okay. Everything will be okay because I am making all things new. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, mighty God, tune our ears to hear your word. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you have come into our lives and have given us your grace. Help us to love you, honor you, and serve you, even in our darkness. May we know that we are loved and that we are held by your grace and that underneath us are your everlasting arms. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. We are going to sing number five 125, uh, the stanzas 1, 4, and 5, 1, 4, and 5, uh, for your gift of God the Spirit.